Hey everyone, welcome to our Camrose Public Library book tasting. I'm Georgia. And I'm Tristan. Georgia, what is a book tasting for anybody that may not have tuned in to our last episode? So finding the right book can be tricky. Our book tastings are here to provide some great suggestions for books within a specific genre and age category. Which age group and genre are we looking at today, Tristan? We're looking at young adult nonfiction. Nonfiction are stories which are real, not inspired by real life, but the actual real stories themselves. They're basically the documentaries of books, if you will. Aren't documentaries and nonfiction books for old people? Like, that's what my grandpa watches. A lot of people think they are, but there is some great nonfiction written about and for teens. Nonfiction writing is all around us, from the news we read to reality TV and the cookbooks we use. I mean, it's summer vacation, though. Like, I don't want to be doing more homework during the summer. <laughs> some nonfiction books can read like textbooks, but not all of them do. There's something called narrative nonfiction, which is basically nonfiction stories written like a novel. Some of the books we're covering are narrative nonfiction, and some of them are just plain interesting. I mean, who doesn't want to hear about high school students who used to sabotage the fight against Hitler? I know today we're going to be looking at some stories of kick-ass teens, hidden history, and a couple of wildcard books, so let's get started. Now, we've divided our books today into three categories. Our first five books focus on historical events, while the next three are about activism, and the final two are wildcards. So kicking off our history section, we have Evil Masters, The Frightening World of Tyrants by Laura Scandifio. History is full of evil rulers who rose to power despite the widespread suffering they caused. Though they ruled in different countries and often at different times, their behaviors and actions have been frighteningly similar. How did they get away with it? Evil Masters reveals the typical characteristics of a tyrant and then profiles seven tyrannical rulers from the past 3,000 years. The rise to power of each ruler reveals a familiar web of manipulation, fear-mongering, and deceit to get and stay on top. Ancient China saw the rise of Qin Shi Huangzi, who gained control and glory by melting the weapons of the peasants to make statues of himself. He also suppressed the teachings of Confucius and burned libraries. More than 2,000 years later, book burnings became a favorite tactic of Adolf Hitler in Nazi Germany. Hitler would further promote only his ideas through widespread propaganda, a practice echoed by Joseph Stalin in Russia, whose tightly controlled newspaper claimed to be Pravda, the truth. Stalin held power through an army of secret police who enforced his will. Similar underground thugs were crucial to Saddam Hussein's rise to power. Now, you might be thinking this sounds exactly like social studies, but when we focus on dictators in school, it's mostly on the big things they did. Here you get to hear all of the wacky things they did, like the aforementioned confiscating peasant weapons to make statues. If you liked Netflix How to Be a Tyrant, which I may have binge-watched just a couple days ago, this might be a book for you. Once again, that is Evil Masters, The Frightening World of Tyrants by Laura Scandifio. Okay, our next book, The Boys Who Challenged Hitler. 
Knub Peterson and Churchill Club by Philip Hoos. At the outset of World War II, Denmark did not resist German occupation. Deeply ashamed of his nation's leaders, 15-year-old Knut Peterson resolved with his brother and a handful of schoolmates to take action against the Nazis if the adults would not. Naming their secret club after the fiery British leader, the young patriots in the Churchill Club, committed countless acts of sabotage, infuriating the Germans, who eventually had the boys tracked down and arrested. But their efforts were not in vain. The boys' exploits and eventual imprisonment helped spark a full-blown Danish resistance. Interweaving his own narrative with the recollections of Knud himself, The Boys Who Challenged Hitler is a National Book Award winner, Philip Hoos' inspiring story of these young war heroes. How is this any different from social studies? Well, social studies focuses on the military, not so much the students who fought back. Here you get to hear the stories of high school students who stood up against evil and fought for what is right. Now once again, this is The Boys Who Challenged Hitler, Knut Peterson and the Churchill Club by Philip Hoos. Our next book is Turning 15 on the Road to Freedom, My Story of the 1965 Selma Voting Rights March by Linda Blackman Lowry. As the youngest marcher in the 1965 Voting Rights March from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama, Linda Blackman Lowry proved that young adults can be heroes. Jailed 11 times before her 15th birthday, Lowry fought alongside Martin Luther King Jr. for the rights of African Americans. In this memoir, she shows today's young readers what it means to fight nonviolently, even when the police are using violence, as in the Bloody Sunday protest, and how it felt to be part of changing American history. Straightforward and inspiring, this beautifully illustrated memoir brings readers into the middle of the civil rights movement and brings history alive for young readers. Now, social studies likes to talk about big ideas. And they do that a lot more than individual people. This book isn't really the story of the civil rights movement featuring a 15-year-old, but it's the story of a 15-year-old who's in the civil rights movement. It's more personal. And that book is Turning 15 on the Road to Freedom, My Story of the 1965 Selma Voting Rights March by Linda Blackman Lowry. That does sound like a really, really interesting book there, Georgia. Our next book, Vincent and Theo, by Deborah Helligman. The deep and enduring friendship between Vincent and Theo Van Gogh shaped both brothers' lives. Confidant, champion, sympathizer, friend. Theo supported Vincent as he struggled to find his path in life. They shared everything, swapping stories of lovers and friends, successes and disappointments, dreams and ambitions. Meticulously researched, drawing on the 658 letters Vincent wrote to Theo during his lifetime, Deborah Helligman weaves a tale of two lives intertwined in the love of the Van Gogh brothers. A lot of the time, artists talked about academically, especially the lives of artists. This book actually gets into how Vincent Van Gogh was and his important relationship with his younger brother. Once again, this is Vincent and Theo by Deborah Helligman. Our next book is The Miracle and Tragedy of the Dion Quintuplets by Sarah Miller. Imagine being born as medical miracles. Sounds great, right? You've beaten the odds, you're surviving, you're thriving. But imagine that everybody wants to catch a glimpse of you and your sisters, and now as babies, you're tourist attractions. And you live as a tourist attraction away from your family, 
until you're nine years old. This really happened to the Dion quintuplets, and this story goes through how that affected them for the rest of their lives. When they were born on May 28, 1934, weighing a grand total of just over 13 pounds, no one expected them to live so much as an hour. Overnight, Yvonne, Annette, Cécile, Émilie, and Marie Dion captivated the world, defying medical history with every breath they took. In an effort to protect them from hucksters and showmen, the Ontario government took custody of the five identical babies, sequestering them in a private, custom-built hospital across the road from their family, and then, in a stunning act of hypocrisy, proceeded to exploit them for the next nine years. The Dion quintuplets became a more popular attraction than Niagara Falls, ogled through one-way screens by sightseers as they splashed in their waiting pool at the center of a tourist hotspot known as Quintland. Their faces sold everything from Baby Ruth candy bars to Colgate toothpaste. In this masterful work of narrative nonfiction, Sarah Miller examines the lives of five identical sisters forced to endure the most publicized childhood in history, and how they survived their turbulent teenage years to forge identities of their own. Impeccably researched with photo of the Dion's from birth through adulthood, this is an enthralling, heartbreaking portrait of a unique sisterhood imbued with the astonishing resilience of the human spirit. And that book is The Miracle and Tragedy of the Dion Quintuplets by Sarah Miller. And now for our first book in our activism section. We have Queer, A Graphic History by Meg John Barker and Julia Scheel. Okay, I'll be the first to admit history books aren't the most exciting books out there. But take a history book and turn it into a graphic novel? Way more interesting. From identity politics and gender roles to privilege and exclusion, queer explores how we came to view sex, gender, and sexuality in the ways that we do. How these ideas get tangled up with our culture and our understanding of biology, psychology, and sexology, and how these views have been disputed and challenged. Along the way, we look at key landmarks which shift our perspective of what's normal. Alfred Kinsley's A View of Sexuality as a Spectrum, Judith Butler's View of Gendered Behavior as a Performance, the play Wicked, or moments in Casino Royale when we're invited to view James Bond with the kind of desiring gaze usually directed at female bodies in mainstream media. Now once again, this is Queer, A Graphic History by Meg John Barker and Julia Scheel. Next up is The Pregnancy Project by Gabby Rodriguez. It can be easy to say that you don't judge teen parents or that you support them, but what if someone in your life actually became a teen parent? How would you react? Gabby Rodriguez decided to put that question to the test, pretending that she was pregnant while still in high school. Growing up, Gabby Rodriguez was often told she would end up a teen mom. After all, her mother and her older sisters had gotten pregnant as teenagers. From an outsider's perspective, it was practically a family tradition. Gabby had ambitions that didn't include teen motherhood, but she wondered, how would she be treated if she lived down to others' expectations? Would everyone ignore the years she put into being a good student and see her as just another pregnant teen statistic with no future? These questions sparked Gabby's school project, faking her own pregnancy as a high school senior to see how her family, friends, and 
community would react. What she learned changed her life forever and made international headlines in the process. In The Pregnancy Project, Gabby details how she was able to fake her own pregnancy, hiding the truth from even her siblings and boyfriend's parents, and reveals all that she learned from the experience. But more than that, Gabby's story is about fighting stereotypes, and how one girl found the strength to come out from the shadow of low expectations to forge a bright future for herself. And that is The Pregnancy Project by Gabby Rodriguez. Now, our next book within the activism section, we have We Are Displaced, My Journey and Stories from Refugee Girls Around the World by Malala Yousafzai. A lot of the time, we hear about refugees and the refugee crisis on the news. It can be really easy to forget that refugees are people just like you and I. They have hopes and dreams, and they have a story to tell. This book gives several young women the chance to tell their stories. Zainab was out of school for two years as she fled war before landing in America. Her sister, Sabrine, survived a harrowing journey to Italy. Ida escaped her horrific violence, but then found herself battling the elements to keep her family safe. While Malala's experience visiting refugee camps caused her to reconsider her own displacement, first as an internally displaced person when she was a young child in Pakistan, and then as an international activist who could travel anywhere in the world except to the home she loved so much. In We Are Displaced, Malala not only explores her own story, but she also shares the personal stories of some of the incredible girls she has met along on her journeys. Girls who have lost their community, relatives, and often the only world they've ever known. In a time of immigration crises, war, and border conflicts, We Are Displaced is an important reminder from one of the world's most prominent young activists that every single one of the 68.5 million currently displaced is a person, often a young person, with hopes and dreams. Once more, that is We Are Displaced, My Journey and Stories from Refugee Girls Around the World, by Malala Yousafzai. Next, we have a couple of wildcard books. So the first one is called The Monsters Know What They're Doing, Combat Tactics for Dungeon Masters by Keith Amon. I love playing Dungeons and Dragons, but as someone who was elected Dungeon Master with almost no experience, sometimes it's hard to know what to do. Keith Amon has all the answers for what to do when your party comes up with a wild strategy to deal with a monster. In the course of a Dungeons & Dragons game, a Dungeon Master has to make one decision after another in response to player behavior, and the better the players, the more unpredictable their behavior. It's easy for even an experienced DM to get bogged down in on-the-spot decision-making, or to let combat devolve into a boring slugfest, with enemies running directly at the player characters and biting, bashing, and slashing away. In The Monsters Know What They're Doing, Keith Amon lightens the DM's burden by helping you understand your monster's abilities and develop battle plans before your 5th edition D&D game session begins. Just as soldiers don't whip out their field manuals for the first time when they're already under fire, a DM shouldn't wait until the PCs have just encountered a dozen bullywugs to figure out how they advance, fight, and retreat. Easy to read and apply, the monsters know what they're doing is essential reading for every DM. And, like I just said, that's The Monsters Know What They're Doing, Combat Tactics for Dungeon Masters by Keith Amon. Now, our next book, and final book, 
is Will My Cat Eat My Eyeballs? Big Questions from Tiny Mortals About Death by Caitlin Doughty. I don't know about you, but I love listening to true crime podcasts. There's something super interesting about dark history, crime, and the more nuanced aspects of life and death. In this book, some of your most pressing questions about death get answered by none other than a funeral director. Every day, funeral director Caitlin Doughty receives dozens of questions about death. What would happen to an astronaut's body if it were pushed out of a space shuttle? Do people poop when they die? Can grandma really have a Viking funeral? In the tradition of Randall Munro's What If, Doughty's new book, Will My Cat Eat My Eyeballs, blends her scientific understanding of the body and the intriguing history behind common misconceptions about corpses to offer factual, hilarious, and candid answers to 35 urgent questions posed by her youngest fans. Readers will learn what happens if you die on an airplane, the best soil for mummifying your dog, and whether or not you can preserve your friend's skull as a keepsake. Featuring illustrations from Diane Ruse, Will My Cat Eat My Eyeballs will delight anyone interested in the fascinating truth about what will happen to our bodies after we die. Again, this is Will My Cat Eat My Eyeballs? Big Questions from Tiny Mortals about death by Caitlin Doughty. You know, I think I might just have to take that one out next. If you are interested in any of these books, they are all within our collection and will be on display for the next couple of weeks. We are also have a earlier book tasting on adult science fiction and fantasy, as well as two episodes of our novel Read Aloud and two countries visited in Tales and Travels out on our podcasts now. Thank you, everyone, and have a fantastic rest of your week.